Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows with Make It Happen Monday. Hopefully, you all had a fantastic weekend. I am here with a very interesting guest that I've actually been working with for quite a while uh, on, on the startup of his company and what he's building out here. And, and it's a very topical uh, um, topic that we're going to talk about just for me personally, and it's going to be about coaching. So I'd like to introduce everybody to Tom Lavery from Jiminy. Tom, you want to say hi to everybody and give them a little background of where you're coming from, what you're all about? Hey, John. Thanks for the intro, man. It's awesome to be here. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, um, Jiminy was uh, founded by me and the team uh, about two years ago. We've been live about 18 months. So my background is I'm a SV, former SVP of sales for a tech company. Uh, grew that over nearly a 10-year period. Um, did a heap of things right, heap of things wrong. We sold it twice um, in that time. Sold it twice? Uh, yeah, well, two private equity management buyouts. So, yeah. Uh, we opened up in different countries, did all sorts of things. So it was an amazing journey. We learned so much. And uh, along the way, the hardest thing in any business, uh, which is the lifeblood of it, is sales, right? Uh, and I looked after sales and marketing. And uh, yeah, we just saw a massive opportunity to help sales and customer success be better at what they do. And uh, that's really how Jiminy was born. Well, it's why it's turned into what it is, which is its core is a communications platform, which enables the whole business to coach and collaborate better. Love it. I think that we're going to dive into that. I, I did want to back up because I was actually on a podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it was Seamless and uh, with Brandon. And he was actually asking me my history. And we went through and he was like, hey, what's the biggest learning lesson, right? And I had a company who sold to Staples. And, you know, I told my biggest learning. What was it? You said you learned a lot with that that previous company, right? Yeah. What, what was some of like the biggest, like, shit man like learning lessons from that 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 experience going pe twice those type of things i'm just curious myself yeah absolutely um well there's business stuff that we learn and there's personal stuff that you go through i think um for me those transitions of a business where you you're you're changing it's almost like if i look at it over an eight-year period it's almost like three different chapters to the career that like we progress through but for me you know adapting to that change when you when you're acting like as um, so think about some of your your audience and your listeners who are you know aspiring SDRs or AEs and you make that transition from being a seller to a manager mm-hmm. a player coach to a manager you know letting your team fail and not kind of jumping in and I think we'll talk a lot about that um, mm-hmm. in kind of different ways of coaching and, and today and kind of chew the fat on that but for me it was definitely that adapting and changing my role sometimes I did it too late. And I learned less hard lessons from it and fell hard. Other times I did it well. Um, but yeah, for me, that, that change, changing of my role, um, that's how you evolve in a startup. That's how you stay there. Otherwise, you can't stay the course, right? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's like one of the things I've, I realized is once you know where you fit, it, it's an interesting journey, right? Because some people are brilliant from zero to five or six million. Right. Because they're they're the pure chaos. I'll start anything. Huge risk profile. You know what I mean? All in. So like zero to 10 million, give or take. Right. And then there's 10 million to 50 million. And and it's a different skill set to take a company from 10 to 50 and then 50 to IPO or, or, you know, acquisition or something. That's another. And then after that, that's another. So it's like once you figure out where you fit it's actually quite liberating because then you start looking for companies where you know you're, you're really good at this space at this stage of a company 
and 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 you don't try to force it. What I learned was there was definitely, you know, we had to force out a few people, uh, you know, and I had to be forced out. Like when we got acquired by Staples, mm-hmm. I thought I was the guy because I had brought the company to that level. And so great. Now it's my turn to help integrate into this multi-billion dollar organization. And I was not the guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they actually had, they ended up firing me. And, and I was shocked, right? Because I was like, what the fuck are you going to fire me for? Like, I'm the one who built this company for crying out loud. But like, I just couldn't play the corporate game. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't have a filter. I don't know how to play politics. So, so I was not the guy for that next stage of that business. And so it's a, it's an interesting journey as you, as you jump into it, right? Yeah. As, as you look for jobs and people look for different careers now, that culture fit is so important. You know, you spend 80% of your time at work and how the, even, even the style of the sales team, how you're going to be trained, how you're going to coach, the methodology of the way that they even sell their product, um, you know, is, is really something to consider when you're, you know, an SDR and A looking for your next role. Yeah. That, kind of, that kind of thing can come first, you know, a lot of the time. Definitely. So let's talk about coaching because I, I, this is a challenge for me. Uh, and this is why I was looking forward to this conversation because, you know, I, I've always said if, if my only job was to manage I, I love managing when, when it's my only job, right? But you add on being a business owner, selling, you know, my, my own quota, player coach, that type of stuff. And I, I'm not great. I, I get, I'll, get, I'll admit it. You know, I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. My, my coaching uh, uh, mentality or my management mentality when I'm in this mode, growing a business and doing everything is keep up. You know what I mean? It's literally like, hey, I'm here for you, um, but you need to come to me when you have issues. Right. And, and, and I'm open to it, but you know, keep up, pay attention. And if you can keep up, pay attention, you're going to learn a shitload along the way. But as far as me taking a step back and doing like actual real coaching, I'm really not that good at it because it's hard for me to fit it into my schedule, at least the way I think of things. Right. I mean, one of the challenges for instance, with call recordings and, and everything else is you know, every half hour that there's a call recording that I need to listen to so I can give feedback on that is a half an hour that I have to take away from my day, which is focused on selling clients, managing accounts, prepping for trainings and those type of things. So can we talk, let's talk about, first of all, what's your philosophy these days? We, we talked briefly before we jumped on here about kind of the modern coaching, like the old school mentality of, of managing and coaching versus the modern way of managing and coaching. Could you kind of set the stage with that? And then let's dive into some practical stuff about, you know, maybe to help me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's lots of interesting points there. I think first of all, if you talk about like, I, I've been the old school way, right. So I'm going to show my age and how my mid thirties and I started selling like you when I was very young and, you know, when I was first learning to be a sales manager, it's kind of like, well, this is the way we sell and you expect the team to kind of fall in line and follow the way you sell all with good intentions. Right. Um, But I I think, you know, the modern way is a a really good sales leader is that you haven't got all the answers and that you don't know everything and how can the rest of the team help, you know, to coach. So for example, um, it's kind of changing changing the mentality of who is the coach and it kind of leads into kind of how uh, we see customers today really uh, engage with kind of peer-to-peer coaching to achieve the best results right so if, if you've got a senior AE and they're awesome at doing that one thing in the sales process they're probably the best person to coach this new rep on x right mm-hmm. and it's just how those things happen across across the business but yeah, my, my philosophy of being an open leader, knowing that you, you kind of haven't got all the answers and letting the team support and coach each other. 
I think that that leads to the culture piece of this too, because because how do you incentivize you know those individual contributors, the SDR, the AE, who are great in those areas, mm-hmm. who are who are usually excelling in those areas because they are focused and they are good at what they do, right? And now you're asking them, how do you you know, hey, I need your help coaching the rest of the team on what you're really good at. How do, uh, like is that a pure culture thing? Do you kind of set the stage early on in your organization? Hey, everybody's all in on this stuff and this is what my expectations are of you. Or do you have to put together incentive plans or, or structure or something to, to help say to those people, look, I'm, I'm adding a, a, some additional responsibility to your plate that you might not get comped for, but it's for the betterment of the team. Like, how do you get people to do that? Yeah, well, there's loads of different ways, right? In, in terms of how you can coach, whether it's in the moment, you know, whether it's after the event, you know, whether it's in a team session, whether it's like self-coaching comes first. So if you were talking earlier where you haven't got bags of time, you know, setting a simple KPI to listen to your own conversation and then bring back to the table what you've learned and then you can be more constructive with it, right? But I, I, you know, I think in terms of um, like millennials, it's been proven time and time again, they want to share, I'm a millennial just, you know, people want feedback, they want yep. to be. They want to be told these things. So, I think you know. At the end of the day, uh, the old school way would be: oh, new person starts. They're going to sit next to you for two weeks and just watch you do your job, yep. um, and wait for those kind of golden moments to happen, which inevitably don't. Right. So, um, I think it's all how you spin it to the team. Right. The, these things are all um, time consuming for everyone in terms of like training, but it's all how you fundamentally piece it together to get the best result. Everyone's mm-hmm. Um, you know, pushing towards the same goal in a team, right? You, whether you, you were talking about your numbers earlier, right? Everyone wants to hit that goal of yep. what they want to achieve. And it's just about building that uh, winning mentality across across the business so they want to help each other. And that, that's where you see the best success. Like uh, when we look at our customers, people do it in different ways, right? But the ones that are really successful and, and grow faster are the ones that aren't just all about individual contributors thinking i'm the sales king it's about the ones that are thinking it's a it's a team sport ultimately yeah and i mean i think ultimately that's how teams win right i mean you know everybody looks at sales as an individual sport because you got your quota and that type of thing but the best sales reps i've ever come across yeah they make sure that they hit their targets but then as soon as they do they 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 carve out time to help everybody else rise the tide right and and so but with that, like, say you're a rep out there that, that doesn't have a culture like that. You know what I mean? Like you're working at a company right now. It's not a coaching. It's not a all hands on deck. We're all helping each other out here. And, and you want coaching, like you need coaching. You mentioned earlier about self-coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the most powerful things any of us can do is record ourselves doing anything. You know what I mean? Like if you like, I, I took presentation skills training. It was just, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I, um, so I had been doing this, this Basho training, you know, I'd worked for Basho and then we split off and we started Kensei partners. And I remember, you know, I, my training for how to deliver training was follow me, like watch me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I watched one of the senior trainers. I took my notes, right. And I kind of regurgitated what they said. And then I found my style and whatever, but I never took, presentation skills training right so to learn how to actually present so I was like you know what maybe like five years into my career as a trainer I said yeah maybe I should go take some presentation skills training and I, and I took this presentation skills training and the, what they do is I don't know if you've ever taken it but they they, they record you right so you yeah, stand yeah, up yeah. right 
and they record you and then they bring you back into a room and they show you what, you know, and then they kind of give you some tips about what, and, and when I tell you that the guy, when he brought me back into that room, he didn't have to say a damn thing. As soon as I looked at myself on video, I was like, holy shit. Like, have I been doing that for the past five years? Like I didn't even, so, so that's self-correcting. And I recommend to reps all the time, like leave yourself a voicemail, record your voicemail, listen to it. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be the best way that you can improve yourself. So how do you, what are some ideas that you have for, for reps to, to either seek out coaching um, from other people in a, in a respectful way, understanding, Hey, everybody's time is valuable here but also um, do some self-coaching. Like what are some ideas around that, that that we can help improve ourselves for in case we don't have a company that's really invested in that? Yeah, I think, I think there's, um, you see it all the time. Like we're in certain circles where you might, you might think that everyone records every conversation and that people would do coaching all the time. It's just not true at all. Um, So that, that kind of first step in terms of people thinking, you know it's not big brother all right or it's not like oh my god i'm just uh you know being being you know watched by my manager and that that again comes down to the the kind of top down thing but i think if if you're looking at the um the individual person there are tools you can you can just use yourself to like record your app on a phone record your own call record Mm -hmm. your own conversation but yes self-coaching is the first step right if you listen back to your own conversation you're going to be able to dissect it right and it's focusing on those one things you're like if you're a tennis player or you're a football player or anything you're going to watch your serve back you can watch how you do that right so i would just pick one thing to start right everyone yeah you were talking about it the other day i I listened to a couple of your podcasts before right and uh um everyone knows the sale is won or lost in that first call (laughs) that is what that's a very obvious thing it doesn't you know so many opportunities going in pipeline so that discovery call is where you win or lose a deal or discovery demo or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, start with one part of your sales, um, whether it's a cold call if you're outbound or, and just focus on doing, listening to that bit and getting that bit nailed. But that would be my advice. Just don't, don't try and spread yourself too thin. Just focus on one, one thing to coach to start. Yeah. I used to tell people, you know, I, this is what I did. I'd, I'd pick one thing a month. Mm-hmm. that I was trying to improve about myself. And it, it could have been small. Like, you know, I went to Toastmasters once. Um, and what they do is they record you, right? It's public speaking. Um, they record you. They, and then, you know, people give you feedback and somebody in the back of the room counts your filler words, right? How many times you said, um, throughout those type of things. And you never know how bad your filler words are until somebody actually points them out to you. But then once you point them out, once somebody points them out to you, that's all you can hear for crying out loud. So when I was highlighted, you know, for instance, and I tell everybody this, I'm on a crusade still to get these two phrases out of the vocabulary of sales professionals, which is touching base and checking in. Right. But for a month, all I did was I literally took sticky notes. I put them up on my cube and those types of, I told everybody around me, if you ever hear me say touching base and checking in, I want you to smack me. And, and so that was a focal point for the month of getting that out of my vocabulary and replacing it with something else. And then the next month I would pick something else. So I think to your point, you know, it, it's almost like you have to look at, first of all, what's your job, right? Like, what do you, you know, are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Are you a manager? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then saying, okay, well, what are all the areas that I 
do need coaching on and then prioritize them out to say, okay, you know, for instance, an SDR, it's like, um, I'm, I'm good at making calls. I'm good in that activity, but I don't do a lot of prep for my calls. So maybe I'll prep a little bit better or gatekeepers. I suck at getting through gatekeepers or that initial intro call and, and, you know, tying into like, those are the sections to your point. How do I improve on that? And then how, how do you know what to look for though? Right. If you're self-coaching, how do you know that your call sucked versus it was, it was decent. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm looking at right now, um, you know, with Morgan, for instance, I listened to his calls and they're good. You know what I mean? I listened to him in general. And if you didn't really listen in, like you wouldn't be able to pick up, like if you didn't have a lot of experience, right? Like we've been in sales for 20 years, either one of us can listen to a call and, and yeah, it's a good call, but there's something missing, right? So I can I can kind of pick that out. But how does an inexperienced rep understand where where they really do need coaching, or what 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 good what does good look like? You know, as it relates to what they do. Yeah, I think you could probably definitely have happy ears when you listen to a recording oh. or or in real time, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think in hindsight, you're when you're selling or you're talking or you're in the, the moment. Um, you're trying to listen you're trying to think about the next thing to say so it's always going to be slowed down like almost like slow motion right and again oh god like you say we did it 15 years I'm sure when I'm pitching there's still that you never get the finished article right it's never perfect so I think that I wouldn't worry about the thousand things that are in the call that are probably not right or wrong as long as you pick up on that one thing that probably you know or is quite glaringly obvious you know, in your, in your kind of call, whether it's like, oh, I'm using this negative language to introduce this, or I'm doing that. I think if they can just spot one thing, mm-hmm. um, then it's a start, right? Because that's self-coaching. It is down to them. But then it's like how they involve their manager. They say, oh, you know, if their manager's short on time, it's like, oh, I listened back to my call and I think there's this one part that you should, you, you'll find interesting. Now, can you listen to this five minutes and tell me if you think, you know, this is right. So you might be asking for a tiny bit of their time and then, it back that's obviously if if the culture is different and they're not coaching already well i mean i think that's actually a pretty uh, good point um for for people listening here you know i always tell people look you know i was a manager of six or seven reps and in it, and it's not easy as a manager to identify the strengths and weaknesses of your seven ten you know however many reps are reporting to you and i and identify where they need help so inevitably what happens from a, from a management standpoint is we take a little bit more of a broad brush approach to everybody saying, hey, you know what, here's how we need to run qualification calls. We're not doing good on qualification calls. So, right, let, let's try this as a group. Individually, though, it's like, how do I know this person? So if a rep, and I tell this to reps all the time, if you want to go to the top of your manager's list as far as like favorites, if you will, proactively ask for coaching. Right. Cause it's actually something managers want to do, but like a lot of times because managers don't have a lot of time to do it and there's very limited structure on how they do it. When they, when it comes to a, ah, I know I got to coach my team. Uh, what am, now? Or I know I got to coach Tom here. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I got to think about what do I got to coach Tom on? You know what I mean? And, and where is he struggling? And you know, let me think through some of his, the conversations I've had with him. But if you come to me and say, Hey, John, I've been listening to my calls and this is what's going on. And I, I need some help here. Could you listen to that? Then it's like, Holy shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, great. And you go to the top of the list. You know, I, I recommend to reps, for instance, like cool call your manager at 
out off hours, right? Leave your leave your manager a voicemail as if they were a prospect. And, and then at the end of that voicemail, say, hey, boss, you know, tomorrow morning when you come in, could you tell me what you thought of that voicemail and let me know if you would have even responded to it, that type of thing, right? Those type of things go a long way to help managers help you, right? Yeah, I, I think it's um, going back as you, you find a lot of points off there. There's a, I don't want to be a fire starter here, but there's a total myth, like don't have time to coach, don't have time to do this, especially if you're frontline kind of operational and tactical manager historically it's just not been easy to do it now it's easy to do it there's lots of tools out there like ours that can enable teams to be better at coaching more efficient with their time so yeah. it's it's about how what you prioritize in your day everyone has a massive to-do list so you know if you're a manager it's like how much do you want to help your team right. and what, what, what are you going to do to do that but um in, in terms of like the the bigger picture in terms of like how the how the team work together i i do honestly believe that there's got to be the the breakdown of mentality that if i'm i don't know we speak to a lot of people right so i don't know what's the ratio sometimes we see 14 to 1 sometimes we see 10 to 1 sometimes we see 8 or 9 to 1 you know what's the optimum um, number you should manage i think it's like you should have four or five direct reports i think like 10 is the max or something like that it's like six like five to six is the is the optimal spot yeah so for me that that is just fundamentally a broken model right (laughs) because anyway even with six you know it's hard to do so like i say the key is you have to create a culture where everyone's winning together so if you're if you've got aspiring aes who want to make that next step into management and they're thinking about what type of manager they want to be in the future it's all about being that open manager that lets the team work together and make mistakes and you foster that that culture where they can tell each other what's happening that they mm. could invite each other to a call and not be shy to do that uh you know mm. where it doesn't always have to revolve around john giving the feedback or john saying x mm. you know that anyone feels that they can speak up and uh you know contribute uh so i think that's the key really that there's definitely a mindset in terms of like everyone just goes to the direct report whereas it's up to the direct report to make that shift and that that's really where it, it needs to change yeah yeah and you had said something earlier that was interesting where what, what's that line between letting somebody fail and mm-hmm. doing it for them right and and that's always been a challenge for me which is you know is you know there's some times where i listen in on calls and i'm like i you know i literally have to pull my earbuds out and be like oh my god oh my god oh my god like 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 you know like sometimes when you watch a movie and it's like a train wreck and you, you just can't watch it like that's sometimes me listening to calls because i'm like oh no you missed it it's right there and, and or when i see somebody doing a presentation right if that if i think or or a sales call and, and this is for any manager out there and, and for any rep, like if you don't put structure to a sales call, for instance, right? So say you, like, if you don't sit down with your manager before a sales call and say, all right, boss, here's the agenda. Here are my goals for the meeting. Here's how I'm going to set the stage. Then I want you to do this. And that, like, if you don't go in with a game plan, when you bring your manager in, inevitably the manager is going to take over the conversation real fast. And I find myself doing that all, a lot, right? Where I'll have like Morgan will bring me on a call as really just to say hi and that type of stuff. And five minutes into the call, I can tell there's really not a lot of structure to it or, you know, it's kind of where, and I'll be like, okay, anyways, and now it's my show, right? Which isn't mm-hmm. good, right? Because I'm, I'm taking over. I'm not letting him go as far down that path, you know, cause I'm afraid we're going to lose this if I don't, uh, if I don't pull it back. Right. 
So how do you know as a manager, like how far to let your, um, your, your, your team members go on the failure side versus, ah, shit, I got to jump in right now and, and, and fix that because it's, it's an issue. Yeah. I mean, personally as well, historically, I used to suck at that, man. <laughs> it's really bad, you know, where I just want to like jump in and save the day. And, you know, sales is one of the hardest jobs in any business. It's a pressured environment. You've got to deliver the number. Everyone feels the pressure of that. You're totally exposed. Um, like no other department is mm-hmm. yeah you're held accountable for those numbers so you know it creates that behavior of you know not wanting to fail um but you know i'm even learning this now like as a founder of a company which is a new experience for me you yeah. know i was i was sitting in uh you know being a vp looking at all the other departments thinking my former ceo is a be- very good friend of mine thinking oh we could do this better could do that better and now i'm in the hot seat i'm like oh my god i see everything yeah. uh, and it's totally different um, so it's a really, really difficult thing to do. But I think, you know, um, like sometimes you have to go backwards to go forward and it's really hard. So you're like, okay, I'll give you a really good example when we were talking about me not transitioning well from being a player coach to a VP. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have really at the time go, do you know what? We're probably not going to do as much revenue for three to four months. Yep. But in six months time, it's going to fly and it won't be the Tom show and it won't be dependent on that. Right. But it takes, you know, you've got to be brave to do that. You've got to have experience to do that. It's, it's a hard thing. But I think now the same thing is, you know, I might listen to a call. And that's why I think live coaching is really important because you do hear different things in the moment and you can guide people because the opportunity is still not lost. You can be there supporting kind of in the moment as well as, you know, retrospectively when, it, when it's kind of gone or you've lost the opportunity. But I, I think. You've got to just, you've got to sometimes just go up. Oh shit, we're going to lose that deal. I know we're going to lose that deal. I want it to happen. Yeah. But, you know, I've got to let, like, I don't know, like Jerry's our new VP of sales, he's been in business six months. I'll be on calls. I know that I just got to let Jerry have his head. He's got his own doing things. And then we can have the conversation after and work it through. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you've just, it's that thing about just, you've got to let go of that deal. And that's the, that is a really hard thing to do because, I had to learn the hard way to do it as well. You said something about live coaching, like, you know, in the moment, right? So I'm on the call, you're listening in. How do you do that without fucking somebody up? So, so, and I say that because like, if I'm on a call with a client, right? And I'm doing my thing, I'm asking my questions, I'm giving my pitch and I got somebody chirping in my ear or next to me being like, no, 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 say this, do that. Instead, do this, right? It, it literally ruins my flow, it ruins my, my talk track and it, and it's noticeable. Right. So mm-hmm. what are, what are some ways that you can do live coaching without screwing up the flow of the person that you were trying to coach in that moment? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to product push or anything like that, really? but like when, when we um, built Jiminy, we, we did a lot of due diligence market research cause we knew a lot of the answers, but we never, when we uh, did interviews and surveys, no one liked, call whispering no one likes their being their ear whispered in so <clears throat> we kind of reinvented the wheel and did it all through chat and there was kind of two reasons for that one it's an integrated way it's a lot calmer it's a lot yeah. subtle you can take you can take the written words in uh, a different pace right at the right time yeah. and also you've got a history of record of those notes mm-hmm. so you could live live coach morgan and you might just let him flow through the whole call and then you drop him a note and say hey uh all those coaching notes, they're just in the task in HubSpot and Salesforce. 
there's a few things I'll give you a buzz later and we can chat about them. So you get the best of both worlds. So I think there's, there's definitely a new way where you can, you know, use like uh, you were talking to, uh, I know DC and David at Drift and we're all talking about how chat and real time messaging is so important and how things like Drift and Slack are blown up. So using chat to coach is yeah. a much more effective way in my opinion. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's, that's the struggle. It's like, yeah, okay, great point. But that's, that's probably a point that could have been made after the fact as a, as a, as a post coaching moment versus, you know, my desire to jump in on that conversation and say, no, 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 don't say that, say this, like that, that's going to screw up their, their, again, their flow and it's going to be noticeable. So I think chat's are probably the, yeah. yeah you, that's uh, a really interesting thing you say that because it's, it's, it's a learned behavior, right? Because the, the thing is when you're live coaching in chat will be to this like chat everything. Right, and right. That would, then, that would then just have the same effect as like jumping in their ear and whisper or shoving that classic thing of putting post-its on you say this say this and people are like flapping and they're sweating already yeah. you know, we've been there on our first meetings our first calls um so i think you know sometimes it might be really subtle like um you could put an emoji in and like give them the thumbs up yeah. like, oh, you're doing awesome yeah. yeah and again it's just like if you're analyzing a recording and picking out that one game changing thing it's like you don't have to overdo it it's sometimes it's about building confidence and all the other things that you do um, in those in those coaching sessions but uh yeah i think it's tendency just to like chat loads of things and like spill yes. it all out but you could just think oh you could write them all down and then decide which ones you want to send after right you don't have yeah. to pick them all in the moment yeah i think that's uh you know it, it's like you said, it's, it's one of the most important it's one of the most important things a manager can do, but it's un- unfortunately one of the most underserviced areas uh, that we do do is, is, is direct coaching, not just, you know, not just managing um, and career development, but it's in the moment coaching. Cause that's when the real learning happens. Right. I mean, one of my favorite tips to, to give to people when they do call blitzes, for instance, is to, to get in a room, you know, grab, grab four people, mm-hmm. get into a room with a speaker phone and do round Robin dials on the speaker phone. Because the amount of learning that happens in that environment is far beyond what any trainer could ever bring to bring to the table. Cause you're, you're literally listening to, right. And so that person's in the moment, they're making that phone call. And then afterwards, collectively, the three or four people that are in there, Hey, how'd that go? How could we have done that better? And then they applied that discussion to the next call. So the next person makes the call and learns from the first one. And in a real short period of time, you know, the, the, you see confidence, you see skill sets go up exponentially compared to anybody standing up and doing a presentation on how to make a cold call. Yeah, and I think, I think there's different data points as well. And you, you, it comes to using the team and the data that you, you have to like, why do I want to be on that call? Mm-hmm. Why do I want to, why should I be on that call? Why should I listen to this call? And these mm-hmm. are the problems that um, we've been solving for customers and looking at. That's both in terms of live coaching, right? So um, you could slack people into conversations or be able to like follow a certain opportunity or a certain account. So yeah. when they spin up another meeting with Pepsi, you know you want to be on it and it's going to tell you to go and be on it, right? So is that, is that efficient and effective use of time? Because yeah. um, time's everyone's biggest commodity, right? And if you can give it back to people, that's the, the that's, best. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, that's what we're all selling. You know what I mean? Like, if it, yeah, we're, we're trying to solve pain. We're so trying to, you know, paint a vision for people. But at the end of the day, time is the commodity that we're all trading in here. 
Mm-hmm. So they made it even faster. I mean, the, I always tell people the way, the way you can add value to me is take that hour long bullshit meeting that we have to spend 15 minutes, you know, rapport building. And then the last half, you know, figuring stuff out and cut that down to 15 to 20 minutes and just get to the damn point. Like if you do that as a sales rep, I don't care what you're selling. If I have five meetings with vendors, four of them are hour long bullshit, te- you know, basic meetings. And one of them is 20 minutes. You're, you're, in, you're in a better light for me than anybody, regardless of what your product does for crying out loud. So, so that to me is adding value to our relationship. And so yeah. back, especially as a manager, right? If you can give me time back as a manager while making me more effective, you know, all of a sudden we got some, we got something to work with here. So. Yeah. I think, um, we, we noticed loads of stuff, um, over the last two years, like, doing lots of integrations, working with Slack, G Suite, Office, just how much time, like, um, I think it's like the average person uses like 34 apps more hours than there are in the day, right? So, you know, how, you know, how can you consolidate what the team are doing so they can have effective use of time? Everyone knows that people are spending too much time doing admin versus actually, you know, speaking to customers, solving problems, doing those things, you know, um, the, the time of it, like even when you listen back and we're talking about self-coaching, that every business is different and everyone's product's unique, but even learning what your optimal time is for your cold call or your discovery call, because there is a uh, set rule, right, um, depending on what it is. And I think that's a really important thing. Like if you're starting a business or you're just selling or you're founding, you know, you'll have all sorts of different listeners doing <laughs> solving different problems, but you know, finding like that optimal time for your meeting or your pitch based on your ICP and your customer is a really important thing. I saw saw a customer last year and they were like doing demos that were like over an hour and they cut it back by 20 minutes and six months later they had the best ever quarter, but you you have to understand, uh, you know, what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the going back to your point of just picking one thing to focus on as an individual or as a team to say, Hey, let's, let's hammer down on this one thing so that we can all get really good at that and then analyze the results to see the difference that it makes, right? Some different approaches, everything else. So some of the best um, coaching practices I've seen, because everyone adopts them differently, you know, like, you you know, uh, stand-ups, which I'm sure you talk about, you know, in the morning, come in, you know, have, it, have your sales kind of stand up. So if people have time back, like whether you're operational tactical manager, you spend the last, everyone probably stays in the office an hour too late or an hour too long, or you waste an hour doing other things, Instagram, Facebook, right? So yeah, end of the day, um, you spend 20, 30 minutes listening to an interesting conversation that your team sent you. Then you use that in the stand up in the morning so that the, you're breaking down coaching into bite-sized chunks, but you're making it daily as well. Yeah. So um, those individual examples can be used. Whether it, whether it's some, I've seen people do it in a one-on-one. Like I'm going to spend ten minutes coaching all five of six of you, you know, back to back, and that's what I prepared in the last hour of my day. Some people execute it that way. Some people just kick off every morning, you know, coffees, donuts, you know, kind of like let's just do a stand-up, listen to one example of one part of a call, and mm-hmm. it's that that thing about weaving it into the culture. So it's not just, Oh, we do this sometimes. And again, it's like anything it's, it's structure uh, to the day, to the week, to the month, you know, of carving out that time to do it. Yeah. 
putting it on your calendar too, right? Like owning it, not being a, you know, my, my thing is, is, is if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen. So yeah. if it's on my calendar, I have, it has a chance. Uh, and so just having some repeatable process that you go through where it's structured every, every day or every week or something where you section out that time to say that I'm going to treat this like a meeting with a client. I'm not going to reschedule it. I'm not going to push it. Like this is a priority for me. Um, and I think that that right now, for instance, at the end of this year, going into the next year, I think a lot of managers need to <clears throat> take a look back. And I, I am like, as far as my goals, uh, a big goal for me is to, to, is to do a better job at coaching consistently. Um, not just looking at deals, not just, you know, jumping in when I, whenever there's a problem, but actually proactively looking at the skills that need to be developed on my team and doing something about it. So, um, you know, from a goal setting standpoint, that's, that's one of the things I think everybody should, should improve upon. You got to live and die by your calendar. My, uh, my wife goes nuts at me because, uh, I, I live and die by my calendar so much that I put her due date in the calendar for our third child. And she was like, yeah. are you for, are you for real? You're telling me that I'm having a baby that day. I was like, <laughs> if, I don't put, if I don't put it in, I'm going to book a meeting. So I was like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah, so, uh, that's, uh, that's probably taking it to the extreme, but, uh, I do the same thing. I tell my like, cause I could have the same, like in the morning I could have a conversation with my wife about we're going out to dinner tonight with, you know, our friends and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, Hey, yeah, sure. And then the end of the day comes and if it's not on my calendar, I'll still be working away. And she'll be like, are you ready to go out to dinner? I'll be like, for what? Like, what, what are you talking about? She's like, we just talked this morning. I'm like, if it's not on my calendar, honey, it doesn't happen. So now she sends me invites for pretty much everything, you know, dinner, like go pick up the groceries, you know, pick the kid up, like, and it and shit happens. So, um, so I think we'll end there. Uh, you know, I think we could have a, a, a conversation here for a long time because, uh, you know, coaching is, there's so many nuances to it. Um, but just uh, in the interest of time, let's talk about uh, Tom, you know, moving into next year what you're focused on and, and and where people can find out more information about you and jiminy um so that they can follow what you're doing because i think what you're doing is really important uh for for the next evolution of where sales is going here yeah absolutely i think um you know to come find us uh obviously you can just go to jiminy and that's j-i-m-i-double-m-y people like to spell it in all sorts of different ways but if you uh, if you search it you'll find it find it easily i, th- I think for us it's you know everyone's on a mission to uh, show people where they should listen, where they should coach. And, uh, you know, that's a big focus for us, um, using all the data that we have to really show our customers where they can spend their time effectively. Um, you know, that, that's, that's really kind of the big goal in terms of like our product and what we're kind of looking to do on that front. Um, but yeah, you can just find us at jiminy.com or you can reach out to any of me and the team on LinkedIn um, and we'd always be happy to chat with you Awesome. All right, Tom. Well, I appreciate the time here. Um, and hopefully everybody, if, if you're an individual contributor out there, you know, proactively go and ask for coaching, but do it in the right way. Don't just say, I need coaching. Be specific with what you're asking for. If you're a manager out there, make it a goal in 2019 to, to, to be more proactive and, and structured with your coaching because it matters. Um, and if you can you know, invest in tools like Jiminy and those type of things, all the better. So with that, uh, thanks again, Tom, and everybody. Make it a great day. End the year on a positive note. Go out there, make somebody happy, right? There's, there's, we need more positivity in this world. So let's go make it happen, all right? Cheers, thanks. John. Thanks a lot. Bye. Yeah. Thanks.